The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to episode number 189 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, which is part of our Women in Civil Engineering series, I'm talking with Denise Carter, Chief Strategy Officer at Greenman Peterson, Inc. Denise leads and implements business strategy across the entire organization, integrating GPI operations and services to optimize staff, organizational development, and growth opportunities. Her job is challenging in that GPI is fast growing like many engineering firms today. So we're going to be talking with Denise about the importance of building confidence in your career, especially when you are in a leadership role and how it can really increase your success as an engineer. And I really enjoy this interview because Denise, she's made a big transition in her career recently as she'll talk about becoming the chief strategy officer, but she really goes back in this interview and talks about some of those learning points in her career and how she was able to get help from people, find mentors, and build that confidence. I tell engineering professionals all the time that you can build all the skills in the world, but if you're not a confident professional, you won't be able to get out there and execute those skills and be the leader that you ultimately want to be. So I'm excited to share this episode with you today. Now, Before we jump in with Denise, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. When you take a live online course, PPI guarantees you will pass or you could take the on-demand course for free. PPI's reputation and history sets them apart. PPI has helped engineers achieve their licensing goals since 1975. Their courses and review materials are based on decades of experience. And I know because they helped me about 20 years ago to get my engineering license. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. Again, that's PPI, the number two, P-A-S-S dot com. I also want to remind you, if you visit our website at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org, you can check out some of our upcoming training sessions, including our Project Management Accelerator. The next one kicks off in January. Again, that's engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. All right, let's dive into our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week with Denise Carter. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now I'm excited to welcome on our guest to the podcast today. Denise Carter is the Chief Strategy Officer at Green and Peterson, Inc., also known as GPI. Denise, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thanks, Anthony. I'm really glad to be here today. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And let's just get started off. Denise, maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about GPI and your current role there. Just a little bit about GPI. We're uh, about 1,600 people, a multidisciplined civil engineering firm, and we're based throughout the United States from Maine all the way down through Florida and uh, west as far as uh, Wisconsin. Most of our uh, disciplines are in the transportation arena. So this transportation, uh, bridges, roadways, civil engineering. We also do building systems, construction management. 
We have a geospatial uh, survey and mapping group, water and wastewater, environmental, and we are throughout the eastern U.S. The other thing that I think is important to note about GPI uh, beyond the disciplines is that we have a really strong employee engagement culture. We have a list of uh, what we call strategic objectives, and our strategic objectives are listed, and we have as number one employee satisfaction. Our focus and our philosophy is that if you have people, good staff that is, are fully engaged, you know, they're going to develop that quality product. They're going to keep the clients happy. That's going to drive your growth. And that is something that has been sort of our secret to success thus far. We are also an ESOP company. And so individual staff, uh, no matter where you are, no matter what your position is, you have the opportunity to share in the successes of GPI. So that's kind of a cool feature. And we think it's an important part, again, an underpinning of who we are. I really love what you said there about you know really focusing on the success of your people. I do feel like sometimes in the world we live in, things become very project and profit focused, which is obviously a driver of that's how companies grow. But at the same time, it's the people that deliver on the project success and they're the ones that have to deliver on project quality. And I think keeping them engaged really needs to be at the forefront of what companies focus on today. I mean, we all know that this industry right now is a competitive industry. Everyone's busy. So theoretically, an employee could really probably work in a lot of different places if they want to. But if they're really passionate about what they're doing in their own company and their company's engaging them, then they want to really focus and they want to help that company grow. And then the ESOP, having the employers have the ability to become owners. For someone like me who's an entrepreneur, I immediately think that that sounds like a great opportunity because I know a lot of engineers get into a company and they say, I want to become an owner. Like 20 years from now, maybe I'll be able to become some kind of an owner in this company. ESOP obviously gives some more flexibility with that at younger in your careers and really everybody. So that sounds like a great approach. So we're going to go a little bit through your career, but for now, just tell us where you sit now in the company and kind of what your role is today. Earlier this year, I uh, sort of shifted into a different role. When I first started with the company back in 1999, was uh, geographically assigned to the Babylon office, which is the New York City Metro office. And I was the branch manager for that New York City Metro location for 20 years. Earlier this year, I transitioned from that role, so no longer branch manager, but my new title now, and it's a newly created title, is Chief Strategy Officer. Again, it's a newly created position, and it comes out of the growth that GPI has experienced. And so what I will be doing now is I will be facilitating the continued growth and development in new disciplines, new geographic areas. Collaboration is really going to be critical to our continued growth. And so I will be driving the facilitation and the collaboration of all the different branches and uh, new disciplines that we are looking to grow into. That's a great approach in terms of we work with a lot of companies and you see a lot of companies right now growing because of the industry, of course, there's lots of work available. And there's at some point with these companies that things happen when you start to grow beyond a certain size that you have to start to account for and plan for in the future. What Denise said right there, that word collaboration is critical. A lot of companies, they don't make the connections between different offices, different regions. And I think they're leaving a lot on the table because you're doing redundant work. If one office you know, in one location is doing something, the other one could benefit. So I think having someone to kind of try to connect that and oversee that and think about the future is great. And I think 
the way companies are growing today in our industry, it's something that everyone's going to have to be is looking ahead, especially with technology and everything that's going on today. It's just quickly evolving. So it sounds like an exciting role and you know, wish you the best with that role, of course. And it sounds interesting. So let's go a little bit through your career though, through kind of your career journey. Let's start kind of with the earlier years. Tell us about kind of your technical specialty and your background. I have to tell the story, but it's really important because I have to give credit where credit is due. My mom got me my first job. I wrapped up my college time uh, in the early 80s. We were in the midst of a recession. The industry was not in a good place. And I was looking for an internship between my junior and senior year. And she's, you know, had a friend who had a neighbor who was a secretary at an engineering company. And she said, you know, call this lady, call this lady. I'm like, mom, you know, I don't know, whatever. So, you know, listen to your mom. Anyway, P.S. I went for the interview. I got the internship that summer. Things were still not in a good place in terms of the economy at that time. And so when I graduated, went back, hey, and again, this is sort of a uh, promo for internships and how important they can be. So I was able to go back to that firm and got my start there. And fast forward a little bit, I ended up working for that person, two different companies, but for that, the person that hired me for 17 years. Those connections, those network connections um, really helped. I did a little bit of everything. I did survey and field data collection, and I counted cars, and I took measurements, and I was a rod person and all those different things. But most of what I did in the beginning was sort of um, municipal roadway work, sort of like morphed into the highway design. And we had a significant project for the New York State Thruway that actually morphed from a highway design job all the way through to resident engineering and inspection. And just happenstance, I was involved with the survey of that a little bit involved with some of the preliminary and final design. And then in the end, I actually uh, spent a good amount of time out in the field with some of the REI work. And so it was a really kind of a neat thing that where I saw that arc and it started sort of clicked in my mind, like, wow, like I really enjoy being out in the field. That was eventually sort of where I gravitated uh, into it. So I spent a lot of time out the field as a resident engineer on a bunch of different projects. And along the way I got involved, I started with that one gentleman who was the principal in charge of the firm that I started right out of school. And then about five years into my career, he actually started up his own company and asked me to come on board. I said, okay, that sounds good. And so I did that. And that really helped me to learn the business side of it, literally creating something from nothing. I definitely learned a lot along the way, honed some more of my technical skills, but um, that also you know, gave me my start into an understanding of the business, both on the design side and the CI side. So, When I was in high school, my mom called my friend's father, who was a civil engineer, and said, you know, my son's thinking about engineering, and I ended up getting a summer internship holding a rod in the woods, and I'm thinking to myself, this is engineering. But anyway, I stuck with it, ended up going to work for that company, and I got acquired, and I stayed there for a long time. But it's always interesting to me, even after doing hundreds of podcast interviews, listening to everyone's career journey, because everything is different. But a lot of times what it comes back to is what Denise said, is that there's always kind of opportunities in your career. Denise had that project that sounded like it kind of allowed her to see a lot of different things because in civil engineering, you could do a hundred things. You could probably do more than a hundred things. There's so many niche disciplines, so many different things you can do, depending on your location, company, you need to see it to even know what's available sometimes. And that's why it's helpful. Some companies I know have rotations early on with like recent graduates. So they get to see the different departments and different disciplines. It's good to hear Denise talk about that. And what I found in a similar career journey, starting in surveying a little bit in the field, was that it really helps you become better when you get in the office 
because you understand what's going on on a project site and you can have conversations with contractors and you know you kind of have that insider information that a lot of design engineers unfortunately if they go right into the office they don't have that background and to me it makes it more difficult because you don't know how the project's being constructed and things of that nature so again it's just another example of someone you know kind of getting out there getting an opportunity and the internships are critical and if you're out there and you're listening i know we have listeners at all different ages so some of you student so make sure you're getting an internship because the internships a lot of times turn into great opportunities long term if you work for a company at the highest level of a company make sure you have a good internship program these are things that are critical i think from both ends of the spectrum because really that's kind of your future of your company the future of your organization it starts with that I want to go back a little bit now or kind of progress through your career, getting back to management, because a lot of engineers, they come to the proverbial fork in the road and they say, do I want to stick really with the technical route? Do I want to keep doing this kind of work or do I want to elevate and go into management? Obviously for you, you chose management, you were a branch manager. Now you're at a very high level in the organization. At what point in your career did you decide that that's something that you wanted to do, go into that management route? That's a good question, right? As far as like, did I consciously choose it or did that really evolve the way sort of my career path evolved? So as I said, you know, just five years into my career, I jumped on with this other great guy who was a tremendous mentor for me, I just want to say. And he wanted to start up his own company. And he said, "Uh, Denise, I'd love to bring you on, but I can only bring you on three days a week. And I said, that's great because I just had my first son then. I said, I can only work three days a week. So it kind of worked out perfectly. That experience or that opportunity, like you really have to do everything. When I say everything, I mean like we even like vacuum the floors, right? There were times when you had to sort of like hold on to the check. Just to make sure, like, you know, we have to make sure that we get paid from this client before we go on and do that. And some of that was a little hair raising, but some of that made some really important lessons about how this business works and how it goes. It wasn't a purely management position because when you're in a firm that we started with three, five people, it was the technical work, it was the proposal work, it was the financial work, learning how to do IT, just everything. What was really attractive for me in terms of like, that component of work was just a variety of it. Like it really required me to stretch in a lot of different ways, right? It wasn't just sort of, you know, work out the alignment for this particular roadway or do that intersection design. It was really something that engaged a lot of different components of my skill sets. I had to do a presentation or we had to go to see clients or we had to hire people, right? And convince them, hey, come and work for this four-person firm. There were a lot of different aspects to that that I found just really engaging. It wasn't like I want to be a manager in that moment. It was like my skills were building in a lot of these different things. And I just really enjoyed it. It was fun. We were successful. It was just kind of cool to go in there. And then as the firm continued to grow, obviously there was more management that needed to be done. I was you know, one of the founding people there. It evolved in that way. It was like an evolution for you. Yeah. It's important to note because it's exposure to these opportunities a lot of times that turns you on to them, right? Like an engineer may not realize that these kinds of opportunities are available unless you take a chance, you take a job, you try something in your existing firm that's available, a position that becomes available, maybe it requires relocating or whatnot. There's opportunities like this available in all companies. And I think that 
I had the similar opportunity to Denise where I did work for that very small company in the beginning. And we were like literally sweeping the floors and then designing parking lots and stormwater and stuff like that. So it was an amazing experience. But I think also if you go out of school and you work for a larger company, there can be opportunities like that too, like within your office, within your region, you know, to take opportunities. And sometimes you just got to try things. I mean, you know, Denise said kind of like broadened her horizons. It was a little bit uncomfortable maybe for her at some times, but that's how you get different experiences. And a lot of times that's how people end up where they are because you know they didn't have a plan to get there. They tried something, they found out that they liked it or they met someone and then that person led to something else. So I would just say like one takeaway for that could really be for those of you out there is try different things. There may be jobs where you're doing a lot of different things. I think especially early in your career, the more things you can see, you just understand what's available to you. Again, that's the thing about civil engineering. There are going to be jobs in civil engineering in three months from now that may not even exist today because of the technology and the different things out there. So keep kind of your eyes open. And that management may come for you, may not come for you. It depends on what you feel about it. Moving a little bit further into the management, kind of talk a little bit more about this, Denise. You know, Management and leadership roles require a lot of skills that they don't teach us in engineering school whether it's communicating with people, thinking through business or finance type decisions. And I'm sure you continue to do this today. How did you build these types of skill sets? A couple of things come to my mind. First of all, and I uh, made reference to it a little earlier, I was really fortunate to have a couple of really good mentors over the course of my career. It was not like a formal mentorship program. A couple of people come to my mind that were just really, really helpful in shaping my approach to things, super you know, optimistic, really hardworking, just good people. And so they were very helpful and they definitely gave me a lot of guidance. A little bit back to the point that you were just making in terms of funding opportunities, and this is something that I learned from the mentor, really encouraged me to get involved with professional and technical societies. I cannot say enough about that. ASCE went through the Long Island branch. We have a Long Island branch out up here, and you, you know, there's sort of a succession. You sort of go in as treasurer, and then you move up to secretary, first vice president, vice president, you know, all the way up. There are so many um, ACEC I was involved in as well. And early in my career, it hits a lot of points. For the first, it's an opportunity to serve the industry. All of those technical and professional societies, whether it's ITE, um, ASHE, you know, whatever it is, take your pick. There are tons of them that are out there. They're always looking for volunteers. They have tons of committees. And so it really is a great proving ground to go out there and put events together and engage with other people. And you could do it when you're young. I was young when I started, but you know, you will have opportunity to get up in front of a group of people. You will have opportunity to do some organizing and coordinating, take on a leadership role. I found that really invaluable for me. And even within your organization, right? Even if there's not, okay, you know, I want to put you into this management training program. I mean, some opportunities are there. If you have that opportunity, absolutely grab it. But you know, look for needs within your organization. As an example, we have a called GPI Connect, which is like a um, community service and student outreach uh, group. And within that group, you know, there are leaders that just emerge that take the lead on different things. You don't have to run a project to be a manager or a leader. Definitely look for those opportunities. In my experience, mentors and then also the professional societies get involved, get engaged, and it will be well worth your while. A lot of our guests 
echo that sentiment in terms of professional associations. But what I hear, and, and Denise said it as well, is it's not just about joining them. It's about being active and taking a leadership position in those societies, because that's when you get the opportunity to practice your leadership skills. That's where you get the chance to practice your speaking skills and conversational skills, which are critical in becoming a leader in engineering. And to me, the number one thing that that helps you to do, which I think a lot of people forget about, is it builds your confidence. We're going to talk about confidence in a minute here. But to me, we do a lot of training at EMI, and we can train people forever on different people skills and project management skills. But if they don't have the confidence to then utilize those skills and get involved in those conversations and get up in front of people, the training goes out the window. And that's just kind of an underlying thing. And I do think that volunteering in the association can give you a lot of those things because you have to take action. You have to get up in front of the meeting and talk to people. You have to make a decision about an event and decisions that you're not used to making. And so I definitely would totally agree with Denise. And I can tell you, don't just sign up for the ASE membership and call yourself a member. You've got to become an active member. And you're also going to build relationships, which we didn't even really mention. You know, Maybe find a mentor like Denise did as well, but just building relationships, which opens up opportunities for you in your career and for your company. Because most civil engineers at some point in their careers are going to get into some kind of business development or be expected to bring in business or have client relationships, right? And all of those things can stem from that work that you do in associations and outreach and, and things of that nature. So that's important. So let's kind of go down that road a little bit. You can go to an association, you can have a mentor, and you can start to build some of these skills for sure. As a leader, specifically in a position like yours, Denise, you need confidence. That's really important. So how you were able to build your confidence to be able to take on some of the bigger leadership roles that you've taken on in your career. If I waited until I was fully 100% confident before saying yes to something, I might still be holding that rod. A catchphrase is, you know, do it afraid. I think it goes back to the mentorship piece. I have had the benefit, not just in my professional life, but also in my personal life, to have people around me that maybe saw things in me that I couldn't see yet. And I think that's really important to have because if I waited for the confidence in order to step out, then it's tough to move forward in that way. Because in order to grow, to evolve, to change, there always has to be like that little bit of a leap of faith. It's like that trapeze artist that you have to let go of that bar behind you before you grab the next one. And there's that like moment of suspended animation where you go, I hope there's a net there, but you do have to reach and stretch. For me, a lot of it was just, you know, inner work. I've worked with different coaches. I've been involved with different leadership training programs. A lot of that really focused on people skills because really this, like, it's like anything. It's always about the people. It's always about the relationships, whether it's your team, your clients, your partners, your colleagues, and being able to just show up as who you are, like that authenticity piece. I think it took me a long time to get to. I had to learn how to trust myself. I had to let go of um, this notion of having to be perfect, right? Because no one is perfect. And I also had to learn to trust my team. Like no manager is alone because if you're alone, you're not managing, you're on your own. Having the recognition that I'm not by myself, there is a team around me, solid, good people, technically sound people. And just know that, you know, mistakes are going to happen. Like everything is not going to be perfect. Because as soon as I aim for perfectionism, then my confidence is going to go out the window, right? Because no one is perfect. Not going to get it. You're setting a goal that's too high. It's a little bit of 
like uh, psychology, a little bit of spirituality, and a little bit of practicality. It's taken some time, and I'm still learning, right? It's still evolving, especially, you know, people move forward, and I've moved into this new role. There was another sort of like level of confidence that I, I needed to move up to. So it's sort of an ongoing process, I guess. And I think it will continue to be right for all of us as we go through our careers, we get new positions, new challenges, new opportunities. But I think the one thing really that Denise said that we should think about and just reinforce here is that it's not like one day you just say, oh, now I'm confident. It happens because you're doing little things over and over in your career that helping you to build your confidence. So like, if you're waiting to be confident, you might never do anything or you might never try anything that's big and scary because you're not confident. You have to do some of those things get a little bit of a confidence in yourself and saying, wow, I did it. It wasn't that bad. And then the next time it becomes a little bit easier. And I know for me, like when I started doing speaking and training, I was terrible. I wasn't a good speaker when I was, when I just kind of left engineering and I went to Toastmasters and I signed up for Toastmasters. And if anyone's not familiar with it, it's just a, a group that helps you to better your speaking skills. And their theory is essentially like you get better at something by desensitization, meaning do it as many times as you can. It becomes easier. So like if you say, I'm not a good public speaker, I'm not confident, I'm not going to do it, well, then you're never going to become good at it. But if you just push yourself, go through it a couple of times, struggle with it, you're building confidence every time you get up there. So I think that's a really good thing to think about in your career is if you're not confident, that's okay. That just means that you're going to have to be not confident in situations to get there. And you know, you got to push yourself. Maybe you get a coach, maybe you get a mentor that can help you and that can kind of push you and say, I know what you have inside of you. You just got to get to it. You got to keep pushing it. I want to go a little bit deeper on this one. This episode's part of our Women in Civil Engineering series. And I know from having the opportunity to speak with a lot of female civil engineers, including my wife, who also worked out in construction out in the field, it can be a challenge to kind of build that confidence and do some of these things in an industry that does have more men than women. And I know we're all working on that, but it still is that way. So what advice would you give for some of our women listeners out there that they have big goals and aspirations and they really want to be confident and go out there and achieve a lot in their careers. You've done amazing things in your career and obviously you got a long way to go, but what can you share with them that they're going to ready to get out there and they want to get into leadership positions? The first thing would be build your cabinet, find your mentors. And again, it doesn't have to be like a formal mentor training. Be on the lookout proactively and identify people that you know, that you respect have those mentors be diverse if you can. Only have to have a, a woman mentor. You don't have to have one mentor. I would say mix it up, male, female, maybe someone that's you know a little older, maybe someone that's sort of your contemporary, just to get different points of view. And and again, you know, depending on the age, you know, however old you are, right? There's all these generational differences, right? So you know, having those different perspectives, I think, is really important. So I would say definitely find diverse mentors. When you are given opportunities or when you see an opportunity, maybe that's something different, say yes. Like, don't wait until you're 100% ready. And this goes back to the mentor piece where there's an opportunity, whatever it is, it could be something small. And again, you sort of have to build on your successes, but just say yes. Even when you don't feel like you're 100% ready, just go ahead and, and step out on faith. And then, as I said, you know, to get in, engaged with your technical groups, that's really important. There are some groups, some thinking about WTS in particular. They've got a Greater New York chapter. They have a New Jersey chapter now as well and Philadelphia. It's just a dynamite uh, group. What does that stand for? So WTS stands, I think it's Women's Transportation Seminar, right? So it's a group of mostly transportation professionals. Most are women, but they've got a lot going on. And if you want to get involved and you want to get connected, that I would definitely point 
they do actually have a more formal um, you know, mentorship program. It's a good way to network and connect up with people that have been tremendously successful. And it's both the private industry and also agency folks that get involved with that. So it's a real great organization. I love that advice and that find a mentor. And sure, if you're female, I think it's probably good to have one female mentor, but don't limit yourself to that, like Denise said, because you might also be able to have a male mentor that can give you a lot of great advice and that can help you and that can bring you along. So kind of keep the perspectives open. WTS is great. I did some some speaking for their group in Greater New York. They're very well organized. They have a lot of good events. And there's also, I know, Society of Women Engineers, we've done some presentations for that you can check out as well. But there are plenty of opportunities. And part of the reason that we do this Women in Civil Engineering series on the podcast is so that for those of you out there that are females in this industry, you can go to civilengineeringpodcast.com and you can see all the interviews like Denise's and you may see other people that you can look up to. You Maybe you want to follow them on LinkedIn. Because I know for me, just seeing people do certain things gives me confidence if I feel like, oh, you know what? I've got kind of a similar background to them, or I think that maybe I can do that too, or maybe I can reach out to them. And so it's always good to connect people with other people. And you know, I kind of believe in that. That's part of what we like to put the content out there for. Kind of last question here in this segment, Denise, let's just talk briefly about your new position as chief strategic officer, CSO. This is a new position for you. It's challenging for an engineering professional, but I imagine that it's something different than engineering in a lot of ways. In a fast-growing company like GPI, there's a lot that you take on with this role. So talk to me about your thought process and taking on this position. Was it something that came up and you were like, wow, this is exciting. It's a new opportunity. Just take us through kind of how someone would kind of look at something like that in their career unfold. I served as the New York City Metro branch manager for the past 20 years. Great, great position, great team there. We you know, grew the uh, location there considerably uh, across different disciplines. It was really a goal that I set for myself where I said, you know, um, 20 years in that position, for me, I think it's time for me to take on a different challenge. I really wasn't quite sure exactly what the next step was going to be for me. But, you know, again, I'll go back to GPI and a tremendous company that it is. I was very open about the um, executive team. It's an opportunity for someone else to take on a leadership role there. You know, I've hit a bunch of really um, significant metrics there. You know, I feel like I have accomplished what I was hoping for that operation. And I just was looking for a different challenge. We got into conversation with the executive team. Again, we were looking at where GPI was overall. We looked at sort of the platform that was built in New York City metro area. Essentially, a position was created. I expressed what I thought that I could bring in terms of value to the organization to, you know, sort of lift that model of success that uh, we have enjoyed in New York City Metro and apply it to the other operations, uh, both the existing operations and then where, again, we were looking to grow geographically, um, primarily in the Southeast, pushing out further West and so on. The position was created. I began to transition out starting in 2020. And um, of course, COVID hit and that was kind of like a crazy situation there. But, uh, you know, we were able to get through it all. And so now I have the opportunity to get involved with the other operations, the other locations, identifying best practices, looking at our overall business strategy, applying a model for growth. Right now, the industry has been a place that, you know, we haven't seen in a very long time. There are a lot of opportunities. There are some, you know, labor shortage pressures that are being asserted. Uh, We keep hearing about this infrastructure bill. But, um, you know, the market is really, really strong right now. 
a lot of technology innovation that we're looking to um, incorporate. And so, again, it's sort of like when I talked about the management, the, the sort of the transition to management, it's fun. It's a lot of different things. It engages a lot of different aspects of, um, you know, areas of, you know, my career and development that kind of takes it up a notch. I have the opportunity to collaborate with uh, the other senior managers across the organization. I'm learning things about the organization that I didn't know, right? Because I'm really more focused on my operations. And so it's just a really great team of people that I have the opportunity to work with in a little bit of a different way. And it's going to take GPI to that next level. So I'm really excited about it. Congratulations on the position. It sounds like an exciting position and an exciting time you know, for a company that's growing, which is great. One takeaway for me there from what Denise said about that is, you know, goals are important in your career because, you know, if you go through a goal setting process, you might recognize when you feel like you want to do something different, when you feel like it's time for a new challenge. You have that reflection period that sometimes if we just have our head down and we're working on project after project, we don't see those things. Like Denise felt like I need a new challenge. And then she was able to have a conversation. She ended up in this new position that sounds like so far she's enjoying and there's a lot going on there. So that's great. So a lot of stuff here. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with Denise on the other side and we're going to wrap up by putting her on the civil engineering career hot seat. Civil engineering podcast. Civil engineering podcast. So we are back here with Denise Carter, Chief Strategy Officer, GPI. Denise, it's time for the civil engineering hot seat. You ready? I hope so. Do you have any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine or a lunchtime routine or just something that you do consistently on a daily basis that has contributed to your success as a professional? In terms of a morning ritual, my wife and I, we do an inspirational reading. There's a, a book with a daily reader that we read out of every morning. It just really starts my day. It gets us both centered and focused. It just reminds me like what's really important. Everything that we do is really important, I know, but just to sort of have that morning ritual, that morning focus, and to do it together is uh, something that I just find centering that gets me going. Is there a book that you might recommend to engineers or professionals, or just any book, generally speaking, that maybe stood out for you in your career that's been very helpful in your personal or professional development? I'm going to call out two. There's one, it's like a classic it's uh, The Gifted Boss. And this was a book that was introduced to me uh, many, many years ago. Sometimes when we get into that position of being boss, a supervisor, manager, we feel like, oh, I have to be a certain way. But the gifted boss really helped me to understand really kind of simple, basic language, right? How offering yourself up as basically a servant leader really can make the difference in everything. And so I would really recommend that book. The author escapes me now. The other book that I just read recently, uh, Where You Are Is Not Who You Are. And this is a book by Ursula Burns. And Ursula Burns was the first and only African-American woman CEO of a Fortune 100 company. She was the CEO of Xerox. What attracted me to that book, not only the fact that she was a woman of color and she was able to achieve that level of success, but she's a mechanical engineer that graduated from Poly. I'm reading this book. <laughs> A lot of her journey was, you know, she kind of worked her way up through the organization. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about the Xerox organization, but an engineer that becomes CEO, I mean, come on. I like asking this question because first of all, I get a lot of good books to read and this is two more that I never heard about. So that's put them on my list, but there are books that you can read that can change your career. You can make a change with a skill set. It happened to me many times. So 
These sound like two excellent books. And by the way, I looked up The Gifted Boss here. It's Dale Dalton, the first one that Denise mentioned. And we'll list them these in the show notes at civilengineeringpodcast.com. And I'll also say about the other book, the title attracted me, Where You Are Is Not Who You Are. I thought that was an interesting title. I was intrigued by it. And then as I got you know deeper into it, I was like, okay, this is going on my Audible list for sure. So it was a good listen. It's true because a lot of times title can be very stereotypical, right? And you might even shy away from a position because of the title. And to me, the title of this book kind of makes you think that if you get into a position that the title doesn't define you, you can define the role, right? And you can kind of grow into it, which is awesome. Thinking back on your managers of the past, think about whether it's a favorite or favorite managers and you don't need to name anyone, but what made them your favorite? Just trying to understand kind of what you've seen in terms of managers that can really engage with people that stood out for you. The common thread throughout the managers that I admired, appreciated the most is just their generosity of uh, sharing their knowledge and experience and just like good people never like lording it over anybody, but just generous with their understanding of the industry, with their knowledge, and just very, very willing to impart. And so that is something that informs how I try to approach people, not always perfect every time, right? Because perfection is something that we can seek, but it's not going to be the overriding factor. But just generosity of their time and their knowledge of the industry is something that sticks out in my mind. All right. So I've got one final question for you. We call this the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had 30 to 40 seconds with him or her, maybe they're earlier on in their career, what would you say to them in that 30 or 40 seconds? You have chosen a phenomenal profession. You have the opportunity to impact more lives than you can imagine because every single thing that civil engineers do affects the daily lives of people, whether it's the environment, where they live, how they get from point A to point B, just you know the way they experience their entire surroundings. Uh, you have the opportunity to really impact many, many lives. It's a great profession. It really is. Managers and leaders in the world of civil engineering need to remind their team of that as well, because I feel like sometimes we get tied into, oh, I got to design this road, I got to design this road. And you have to remind them that you're transporting thousands of people to work safely every day. Like there's a real people factor behind civil engineering, improving the lives of people. And I think sometimes we forget that when we look at projects and budgets and expenses and all that stuff. And we need to, managers need to remind people of that because people become more passionate and more engaged when they understand that their work is improving someone's life as opposed to just saying, I got the road designed, check it off my quality list or whatever the case may be. So I think that that's a great point for us to end on. Denise Carter, GPI, I want to just thank you for joining me here on the Civil Engineering Podcast and giving some time and some valuable advice for all of our listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Anthony. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Denise Carter, Chief Strategy Officer at GPI. Denise is great. She has really obviously come a long way in her career, like many engineers have. And it was great to hear her kind of go back and talk about some of those steps. You know, we all need to take those steps where you transition from either one company to another or one position to another and how you kind of take on those steps and who you get to help you can really mean all the difference in your career. Remember that you can find the show notes for this episode and all episodes at civilengineeringpodcast.com. For this episode, look for episode number 189, and there you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career 
endeavors. The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.